2: Hey everybody, today's guest is Mark McGrath, lead singer for the Southern California band Sugar Ray. It was really cool to catch up with Mark. We broke down their 1999 smash hit single every morning from their quadruple platinum third album, 14 minutes and 59 seconds. The song came hot off the heels of their previous hit single, Fly, and it's no small feat that every morning eclipsed that song in both sales and popularity. Mark credits producer David Kahn with not only building every morning from the ground up, but also giving Sugar Ray the blueprint for their sound. We talked about the lightning strike that almost took Mark and the band out at the Chicago stop of the 1997 warp Tour. And I told Mark that he's the only person I would ever fear battling against on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, if it were ever to return to television. Mark was very humble when reflecting on Sugar Ray's career, and you can tell he's beyond grateful for it. And, as I suspected, Mark was oblivious to the fact that the video for Every Morning, which was based around a roller skating rink, bears a striking resemblance to the Less Than Jake video for our song Dope Man that was released two years prior to theirs. For all this and much more, stay tuned. Well, hey Mark, how are we doing today? Chris, what an honor to be on your podcast, my friend. Doing great. I really, I really appreciate it. You know, I, I want to, I want to set this up a little bit. Uh, Sugar Ray uh, was on the 1997 Warp Tour with Less Than Jake, and I don't know if you remember. I've been wanting to ask you this for a long time. We, I haven't ran into you in a while. Do you remember? The lightning strike in Chicago?
3: It's one of the most historical Sugar Ray moments because I don't know if you, Okay, okay.
2: Did, did, did you, <laughs> were you... Were you watching the show, Chris, when it happened? I was in the truck warming up for our show. Right. Okay, and I was watching... I was watching you guys. I want to say you were in the middle of Fly even when it happened.
3: It was the end of our set. And we had one song back then that people were coming out to see in 97. We still kind of have one song. <laughs> think about it, but... But so... We played our 30-minute set, and you, you know the Warped Tour. They don't mess around. They don't care if you sold 100 million records, have five number one songs. We were playing the driving tent, the tent that folds down at night and goes on the back of a truck. we oh, yeah. we play after a Pulp Fiction cover band and all this, and we went on about... <laughs> <laughs> We'd go on at 1:30 in the afternoon and I'd be walking around the grounds because the work tour was so much fun especially in '97. what a great lineup you guys social d stick of it all uh, I mean we could just go on and on with uh, hep it was such a, a hep it was such a fun uh, such a fun tour. So I'd be running around the, the fields all day looking at all the bands and people go Mark when, when are you guys going on? I go. We went on six hours ago on the pop-up stage that's being driven to another city right now, and and I would tell Kevin, I go, Kevin, like I know there's a protocol here. I know there's like a level of punk, you know, authority here and sort of hierarchy, and I totally respect that. I just think some of the fans are getting a little bummed out. Is there any way we can move to the third stage? Forget the main stage or forget the second stage. The third stage. He goes, got to earn your dues. And I go, Kevin Lyman, I respect you more than ever now, my brother. I respect we had a record in the top twenty. Our song was about to be number one. And he he stuck by that thing. So the the lightning story, and I'm, I sorry I'm a bit garrulous, a bit verbose, and I Talk more than they should, but so no, we, it's great. We were doing half-hour sets then, real quick sets, and so we do a couple of little, you know, little old, you know, punky, new medley numbers, and then we'd end with "Fly," right? And we were on this fourth, <laughs> this stage in the middle of a Chicago United Center. It was in Chicago. I remember yep. that. Yep. It was about two thirty afternoon. We're just finishing up, and we're hitting the last note of "Fly." We ended a cappella. So it goes, "I just wanna." <sighs> And a lightning strike came down and hit my mic, hit our stage. And we all just fell on the ground. Now, I'm never one to miss a showbiz moment. You know, it, lightning didn't hit me, but I got on the ground and lied there for five minutes and didn't move, man. And I I, <laughs> I soaked up every bit of that God's production that day. I, Chris, I can't believe you remember that because people that were on that tour remember that and people that saw the show remember that. But it's almost been a part of urban legend now. We're like, what didn't even happen? Was it real? So I'm glad you're verifying that as this is, is true.
2: Mark, I, I, I saw it and I thought I witnessed you die. I'm not kidding you. And you hit the ground. Like you said, you played it off. It was it was like the perfect moment. I mean, people were freaking out. And and I honestly thought you got struck by lightning. That was Friday, July 18th, 1997. Mark said United Center Chicago. I'll never forget it. Fly was blowing up Uh, a couple more things before we jump into the song, which, by the way, for the listeners, we're going to break down uh, every morning today awesome song. Love it. Um, so much to, so much to talk about with this song. This song is, uh, is literally a pop masterpiece. I'm so excited to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I do want to (laughs) say that I, uh, I think you're the only person on in the world. I pride myself as, as being a music aficionado that I'd be scared to get in the ring with on rock and roll jeopardy. You were impressive. Well, you were impressive. Chris, the fact that you would even think of challenge
3: me, challenging me, gives me a real like insight into how much you must know. You know, because there's a few people that that I don't, I wouldn't step to. Matt Pinfield, Matt Pinfield will destroy you. You know,
2: he's brutal. And, yeah.
3: And there's a thing. I'm the three time rock and roll Jeopardy champion, but who's counting? You know, that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though my Twitter, the first thing you see on my Twitter is that you know, forget Sugar that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love I love trivia. I love music and I, I am so grateful for the fact that I'm able to do this. So when I was younger, I'd read all the magazines, Rolling Stone, you know, Spin, you know, even the hip hop magazines and, and all that. But then I got hit to, that new the enemy, Melody Maker, and all the all the magazines coming out of England, and all this useless information would stick in my brain. But none of the stuff in high school that mattered, geometry and stuff would. So I never found the vehicle for all this useless information. Like knowing all four guys' names in a winger, I'm like, where can I find? can i place this well vh1 (laughs) rock and roll jeffrey came along and it was great for me but it was kind of a it was kind of a burden chris and the fact that like this happened in like you know 98 99 and then our record came out fourteen fifty nine, which had every morning on it and it was blowing up and then we'd be doing a lot of press as you know you're touring you're out you're 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 taking bus from city to city and you know you go to some of those early morning radio stations and i'd have this morning zoo team I, 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 my, my tormentor manager to be like, Mark, we're here. And I literally just got in my bunk an hour before, you know, super, so <laughs> we just got to the radio station, might've been up partaking in some of the, uh, fun things I used to do in the 90s, used to. Uh, so, uh, and so my tour manager would be going, Mark, I'm so sorry we're here. I'd come out with like sleep in my eye, blood coming out of my nose, like, oh my God. And then this morning zoo would attack me, go, okay, Mark McGrath, we got you. Who was the roadie for Spooky Tooth in 1968? Ah! You know, and so like, it almost became a blessing and a curse. What it did, I think it kind of validated my love for music, Chris, and let people know, go, oh, the sugar eye, sugar eye guy, he's kind of a douche, highlights his hair, I get it. But there's a profound love for music there. You know, he's got a pretty wide palette when it comes to music. So it, it really kind of took a lot of the heat off the band. When we're becoming one-hit wonders and people are trying to put in that, putting us in that lane, like, thanks for playing, you know, go play uh, shuffleboard with, kajuku on the one hit wonder cruise line you know <laughs> which we were precariously invo- precariously in the place to do before uh every morning hit but chris there are a few people i would not take on in jeopardy and one of them sounds like you which i will to add to the list and matt pinfield is another who is just uh is next level but and i'll wrap this up and, and really quickly when people talk about rock and roll jeopardy you gotta understand you gotta think about the rock and roll hall of fame if you aren't well-versed from blues to punk rock, to hip-hop, to heavy metal, to air metal, to rock and roll, classic rock, and all that, and all Americana, everything in between, then you cannot step to me. Don't tell me you're specialized in one area, because then you know, I, don't, I don't play. You have to have a broad knowledge. Think, think of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Then we can play.
2: Love it, man. <laughs> that, that, uh. That is that is amazing. Uh, Just for the listeners want to go back now. Uh, Fly was released in June 24th, uh, 1997. And then, of course, 1459. Uh, which is amazing title for a record. Which is j- your 15 minutes of fame are about up. Which I always knew that you were just humble and you guys could take a pot shot at yourself, and I always liked that. The record was released on January 12th, of 1999. A month prior, uh, and actually every morning was released on January 2nd uh, to radio of 1999. A month prior, we did a show with it was the weirdest bill ever. It was at the joint in Las Vegas. It was one of those radio shows that they that they they okay. do. Is that vanilla ice? Vanilla
3: ice? Yeah. <laughs> <but> it, yeah.
2: <laughs> Ha <laughs> Sorry, there you me. go go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> it was Sugar Ray the Deftones less than Jake and Vanilla Ice and the poster <laughs> the poster for the show was this wrestling ring and it, and it said Sugar Ray versus Deftones less than Jake versus Vanilla Ice and we did we did, we were on the radio earlier that Stop day and Easy. our trombone player was saying like yeah we're gonna kick Vanilla Ice's ass later and like their roadies stormed our dressing room looking for a fight that night <laughs> <You're>
3: kidding me <laughs> yeah who the hell was talking shit earlier so <laughs> Someone missed the irony. So you remember um, that show? I, it was one of my favorite shows of all time because I love Deftones. I've always got along great with Less Than Jake. I'm a big fan. of You guys, so much fun to watch and great, great music, great, great catalog of even back then. You guys had a lot of you guys had a lot of catalog back then. I think this was well, this 98, 99, 90 and fun. So it's been wonderful to see yeah. Less Than Jake just do what they do around the world and. You know, I know the Bowling Pursuit guys very well. It's just been really kind of cool to see that. that you guys used to develop this fantastic lane that, you know, you know, if, if you get to do music for a career, Chris, as you know, I don't care what level it is, you are blessed and you won a lottery. You won a lottery ticket oh, yeah. to it. I know that. I know that. Uh, and so it's been, <laughs> know it's that. been fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. So I saw that thing in 98. And this is when Vanilla Ice guys went into his Ross Robinson corn produced record. So he had a yes. record that sounded like like corn he he re he covered re I guess redid uh vanilla I- ice ice baby so it was like ice ice baby yes, there's a Love it, it you, play. you hit the fools, Anakin, don't play. And if there was a problem, i it. out the hook, well, my DJ it. Ice ice Baby! And it was nothing like the original. Do you know who the bass player was for Vanilla Ice that night, Chris?
2: I do not know.
3: Scott Schreiner, currently in Weezer no kidding i did not know that now scott is the sweetest human being in the world he worked at a place called dragonfly out here back in the day oh yeah yeah. Santa Monica you might have played it in the the mid-90s or something he was a bartender there and you know we were kind of we'd headline uh shows there off our first record he was always super kind give us drink tickets we didn't have a dollar to our name he was i'm trying to get in a band mark i'm trying to hustle like good luck scott blah 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 next time i saw him He's playing with Vanilla Ice's band. He goes, Mark, I'm going, dude, this is a good start, man. This might not go, Scott, but it's a good start. Vanilla Ice going detuned is a good start, bro, you know?
2: Uh, that, is, that is awesome I, I did not know that and I the reason I wanted to preface all this and leading up to every morning is because kind of uh, uh, piggybacking off what you said earlier Mark you know I saw the machine people unless they have been there and I've had many of my friends get to that celebrity status Les and Jake's had a great career this is yep. not a knock on me or my band but man I saw the machine and what was going on with you you know you were named People Magazine sexiest rocker of 98 you had it was the press was all day long didn't it didn't matter. It's like catch catch a half hour here, have a nap, catch a half hour there. You were being pulled in every every direction. I saw it, and this was before, right before '98, that the record came out. And I don't know if you know Craig Aronson. Craig was our A and R guy at course. Capitol Records. Yep. Yeah, and uh, rest is soul. Craig, uh, I'll never forget him. He was in a marketing meeting at Capitol. This probably would have been November time of '98 or '99. And I called Craig as I did every week, and I, and we were talking. He says, "Man, I just heard the new Sugar Ray single." I go, oh, yeah? He's like, it's a smash. And I'm thinking, even at the time, I'm like, to follow up fly is going to be insane to do that is like hitting the lottery twice. Not many bands do it. And Craig was just so sure about this. He's like, wait till you hear it. It's better than fly. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll be the judge of that. And damn, if he wasn't right. And, uh, let's jump into every morning, man. Do you, do you remember when this came about? I mean, you guys toured your ass off for Florida. You guys were out for two years and in in a hell, a year and a half after Florida uh, was released, this record was coming out. So you had to have recorded this probably summer or, 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 early fall of 98
3: that's that's right exactly we started riding probably early 98 <clears throat> excuse me we went on a tour uh, the last big tour we did for for that record i mean we florida we didn't tour it that long we didn't really do a big thing in europe uh you know we made some noise with our first record lemonade and brownies in europe now we were like new metal before new, we even knew what new metal was we were touring with the deftones and corn and we, we did a lot of touring out in europe florid came out and it was heavier than our original record which was more like a beastie boys type uh you know kids in a candy store it was the beastie boys without any talent you know what i mean that's what lemonade brownies <laughs> was uh, and you know we did we we, we got signed to atlantic records uh, we had two record, two songs we lied to them we said we had 50 songs and blah 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 next thing you know we got a million dollar record deal we're like careful what you ask for we got to write a record now um so <laughs> we we kind of had a little bit of following off that but once fly hit In the United States, Europe didn't want anything to do with it. France, all these things that we were kind of riding with the Deftones, that Adidas rock thing, you know, down, uh, you know, with with, with those down set. And, you know, we were kind of riding that little thing. And so that's why Florida is a lot heavier, because I didn't want anything to do with anything soft, because I'm like, we finally found a lane. Let's keep going on this thing. And sure. then fly hit, and fly was too good to deny. Though I hated it when I first heard that, and I'll let you know why. We wrote, we all wrote our songs in kind of pieces. There was no main songwriter in Sugar Ray. So when I first heard fly, it was like, ha just want to, play. and it was just like a little piece <laughs> of that. And I go, I'm quitting. This is not. This is not us. <laughs> And then my good friend, (laughs) Nick G who's a big part of every morning, I called him in New York and I remember going, dude, I'm coming home. This song is so bad. We've lost our direction. He goes, Mark, there's something there. Go try and arrange it. Write some verses, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, thank God he talked me off the ledge. I went back. I arranged the song, wrote some verses. We got David Kahn involved. We did what I got. And the rest is history with fly. So we didn't tour that long. We did la- one last tour in Florida because you know, it was double platinum at this point. We went out with safe Ferris and Goldfinger in January, February yes. of early 98. And now the record was kind of falling off the charts. Fly was definitely the anomaly of that record, meaning it sounded so much different than everything else. But we found the it lane did. here. You know, fly was yeah. setting records. It crossed all the genres. Went to number one in every genre of radio. The the video got added to BET for a month. It was in. It was a juggernaut of its own. So we rode the wave as long as we could in the United States. Europe didn't run anything to do with it. We said we got to keep going. So we started writing in '98, picking up things like I remember writing someday on bass in the back of a a club in Houston going boom, 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 boom. So we all would start writing little pieces. So pieces were starting to be written, uh, wrote, Chris, I guess if you would say, in 98. But, you know, we were in a real precarious position because we were one of those bands that had a a gigantic song that was nothing like anything in their catalog, and people were quick to write us off. Well, they got kind of the douchey lead singer. They they came out of nowhere. You know, the others, there was no follow-up. I mean, and by the way, I, I, I bet against us. I call the record 14 minutes, 59 seconds as a joke. I mean, <laughs> I've always started this self narrative of humor against the band and myself. You know what I mean? So I've kind of started making fun of us back in the day. So that was the bad part. We were like, okay, we have Fly. But the good news, we found the lane, meaning this is we want to explore this kind of songwriting. I think we found where my voice wants to be and you know melody is key and maybe we'll turn down the the guitars a little bit and that's where every morning kind of came about but we kind of knew how precarious we were we were like well we don't think we're gonna have another hit either it's so impossible to have one i mean but once you get one it's so ironic all you want your whole life is one hit and when you get there all you want is not to be a one-hit wonder it's the strangest yeah. it's the strangest thing chris and like <laughs> for bands who don't have a hit they're like oh shut up dude and i know what you're talking about but once you get there the work's not done so we knew it was going to be tough following it up and getting back to what um your a and and guy said in 98, I remember when there was a thing called Music Connection, and they were Atlantic was kind of releasing the single out to, like, uh, tastemakers, you know what I mean? And one of them yeah. said, well, it looks like I just heard the first number one of 1999, and it was every morning. So we were, you know, through Craig and these tastemakers, we were starting to hear some really good feedback even before the single was released. So we felt positive with every morning. We felt like we had a great chance because the people that – I don't think anybody saw it coming from us. Another a great song. With, if all due respect, I'll make fun of us all day, but we wrote some goddamn good songs, and I'll stick by them. Oh, you know? dude, I,
2: I, let, let me just say, I want to jump in here real quick. Yeah, so, please. the the thing about every morning is that you know, because I know where you came from. I had heard Lemonade and Browdies yeah. and a lot of a lot of floored was heavy. You had some kind of pop punky almost stuff on there, Definitely. and Fly was the anomaly of that record. But every morning was a lot you know when you when you try to to reproduce that single a lot of bands will try to copy it okay and and it's just a blatant ripoff of themselves it's never as good as the other song but Every Morning retained a lot of what Fly was about. It had that island feel to it. Uh, I, I guess that's the word I'm going for here with the guitar parts. Almost a Latin feel at times. And it was more akin to Fly than it was the rest of your catalog from Lemonade and Brownies and the rest of Floored, which is cool. Um, and there, and there's, again, so much to this song, which you brought up David Kahn, which I wanted to talk about him. Did he sign you to, to Lava, to Atlantic? No.
3: No, David was working at Warner Brothers at the time, but part of his deal with Warner Brothers was he could produce other bands. Um,
2: Ah, okay.
3: David Kahn, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, forgive me, I mean, I'm sorry, Chris, I do talk a lot and I get excited and passionate about this time because... It was one it's of the highlights. Talk, talk highlight, away. It was one of the highlights of my life, and it made all my dreams come true. And you know, I I feel all these emotions coming back, and I see all these colors and palettes and memories. And I'm trying to kind of make it them all sort of coordinated, chronological effort. But I think I, it's like a pollock painting in my mind. It just explodes out of my <laughs> mouth, you
2: know. But but you know, no, it's great, man. I I, I love it. Talk talk away, please.
3: I, I like to say David Kahn kind of cracked the code of that Southern California reggae hip-hop punk rock acoustic guitar with a hip-hop foundation thing and he did it with what i got with sublime now never comparing sugar Ray to to sublime in a million years obviously never but you know when you look at sublime we all tend to look back with rose-tinted sunglasses because you know sublime back then would have been the last band in the world i ever thought would have a top Forty hit, and definitely a number one hit of modern rock because you know they were so into their dub, Mikey Dread, Jacob Miller thing. I mean, they were on some other shit, and also they were kind of you know they were a dysfunctional group. If they showed up to the gig at all, you might get a fifty minute like dub jam, bump, bump, bump. So it was hard to see the genius through the malaise and through the dysfunction of that band. And David, yeah. David khan cracked the code of what I got, and from my understanding from talking to David. What I Got was not arranged. Bradley just went in there with the guitar part and just started freestyling. And one of the parts was, Love is what I got. Above time. And he just kept he moved on. And then Bradley went home that night and he came back the next day and David had Frankenstein and arranged this track. And, and Bradley goes, oh my god I did that and David goes well kind of I I, I kind of did that you know so he really <laughs> arranged the track and, and he got the little keyboard sounds and the and the, and the hip hop punches that that the dropouts that make what I got so great and we were sitting on the song fly never going to compare it to the greatness of what I got but we thought there was a simpatico there just being from that punk rock Southern California you know Orange County world and that's why we reached out to David and by the grace of God when we rehearsed the song for David he heard a note there and he goes when you go my mother got this so he goes that note right there can sell two million copies and we're like yeah sure we'll, we'll go with it anyway <laughs> and i'll be down <laughs> up that song and that one note right there didn't sell two million copies so thankfully david was available to take the ride again for 1459 there was no other choice you know once you get this beautiful gift delivered to you as a number one song you don't want to break that you know You don't want to break the songwriting partnerships. You don't want to break the team up at all. And there was three of us who were the main songwriters in Sugar Ray. Our drummer, Stan Frazier, who's no longer in our band. Our guitar player, Robbie Shepard, who's still in the band. And myself. So we were the ones driving the energy of the songwriting. And we also, a, a huge factor was our unofficial member of Sugar Ray, our buddy, and my best friend still, McG. A guy who I've known for 45 years, who did all the videos you saw in the 90s. He did... He did he did sublime santeria he did offspring pretty fly for a while i'm surprised he didn't do a video for you guys you know he did every morning yeah. he did when it's over he did fly for us he did smash mouth all-star and walking on the sun he did uh clear videos he did he'd freak on a leash for corn so he really established himself there so he's a really good pacemaker and a really guy to bounce idea good guy to bounce ideas off so we went into making the next record he came up with the idea he goes to our guitar player rod and he goes you know what dude I was listening to Sweet Jane the other day by Lou Reed. Bump, 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 bana. Yeah.
1: Bump. Ladies, they rolled their eyes. Sweet
0: Jane. Oh, sweet Jane.
3: Oh. He goes, there's a good feel to that. And Rodney goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, why don't you try something like chord progression with that? that Sweet Jane goes D, A, B, or G, or whatever it does. And Rodney goes, you know, Mark's voice is more in the A range. Let's go to A. So he just went A, E, D, D, E, A, E. And he just went back and forth to that. So uh, Sweet Jane was the inspiration for the chord feel. You know, we changed, we we dropped out a chord, changed the key, and then we have this good kind of chord progression. Wow, that feels kind of good, you know? so McGee uh, and rodney came up with that chord progression um and i heard that yeah. and i'm like that's pretty good now here's the weird thing about our band so dysfunctional i hated the studio and i still to this day hate the studio chris
2: i can't intimidating place
3: yeah i can't <laughs> right i can't write music in a room with no air no windows and nine sweaty dudes staring at you going let's write something i can't I need to write music when life is happening to me, when I'm driving my car, when I'm riding my motorcycle, when I'm not trying to write a song. That's when ideas come to me. So I had first heard the, uh, the, the track and I go, the track is cool. And then Mick G again had the idea to go, I hear the Slavacito part. Now you're getting the Latin thing you talked about. Chris, right, the, right. The Malo Suavecito part, and if, if people don't know what that is, it's go look it up. It's an amazing song, and their their song goes la 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 la. So we go, you know what? We're gonna sing that part in there right now. Fully gonna change it, make it our own. But that's the inspiration right there, right? So we added the Malo part. So now you know we're working on some good, pretty good inspiration. Sweet Jane Lou Reed, Malo over here, <laughs> all this good stuff. And then um, one time, you know, again, I I, I, I go do my thing and run around, and and Midge, my buddy, we're going to dinner one night. He goes, "Look what Stan, our drummer, put on this track that you guys are building." Uh, look! Look at the look at the verse he laid down for this track, and we go. We think it's great, and the verse was every morning there's a hello. And I go, are you out of your fucking mind? That's not a verse. That's the chorus. Just get out. I was going to say, wait, that's the chorus. <laughs> right. I guess, get out of the way. I mean, half a songwriter, just get out of the way of the good parts. Just get to them without ruining them, you know? So I go, let me think of some verses again. You know, we were starting to get, by default, we were starting to figure out where our strengths were as songwriters. So I, uh, I, and you were yeah. starting to, at
2: this point, you were starting to get excited about the song. It sounds like.
3: Then I was getting excited about it. Yeah. I got excited when I first sure. heard the idea and it came back and then our DJ, DJ Homicide. He added a great, a great drum track that David Gunn ended up building out and made it punch harder, but he added a great the DNA of his drum track is still in there. So it's starting to feel good. It's starting to swing, Chris. You know when something feels good, it just feels good. Oh yeah. Now I'm hearing oh, this yeah. every morning chorus going, This is amazing. The problem is it's so high, I don't think I can sing it. So I was worried about that, but we'll figure that out later, right? So I added, <laughs> yeah. the first thing I thought was, you know, couldn't understand how to work it out. Those words, that melody came to me first. And that was, that's what it was. I didn't even think about it. And that is always my best effort. Always, if that's something, great. You, know, you know, a lot of people go, I'm just a vehicle in the muse for whatever's in the universe coming through me. <laughs> that's what happens when I write songs. I hate when people say that, but so that's kind of what happened with that. That's all, awesome. uh, that's great. Yeah, and then we kind of finessed it a little bit. We had this great, this great feel of track. We somehow followed up this massive unquote verse with, with this, with the real verse and uh, with the model part. Now it's really taken shape. Now, David Kahn's in there adding his, you know, bass parts, a uh, Rodney, our guitar player came up with that lick, which is the, all you know, ba-da-da-da. our guitar player does not get oh, yeah. enough credit for the fucking massive riffs. He wrote pop riffs. He wrote in the nineties. He wrote, he wrote the riff to fly he made his money before the band by playing reggae bands and he still plays into this today so all the reggae influence all the picking and all that kind of you know that peter tosh little riffing all comes from rodney all of it That's and then cool. rodney ended up playing bass on the track as well because he wrote the bass line to it you know, yeah. so Rodney's just killing it on this track. He's he's, he's just killing it. Uh, so well, now- you know,
2: I just I, w- I want to real quick jump in. So yeah. David Kahn, I, I, going back before I forget, coming from the Sublime thing, I can now I can hear totally. The the drum tracks in every morning and even in fly just that kind of th- that loop of that drum just the tonality of it that feel and and real quick you had meant you were talking about videos a moment ago and before Mark and I started recording earlier I had brought this up because a lot of fans over the years have asked you know the dope man video from less than Jake in '97 was filmed in a skating rink and uh, every morning uh, was filmed in a skating rink a very oh. similar video you had you had the Hesher metalhead in there we had the Hesher metalhead in our video and and a lot of our fans were convinced and and I, and I I wasn't at the time. I'm like, there's no way this band uh, that's selling 10 million records is going to rip off a band that's selling 200,000 records. And Mark had the best response to this, which you killed me before we started rolling. So you could, you could pick it up from there. Because I had asked Mark, I said, did you, did you know that we did, did this video? He goes, no, I, I I had no idea you guys did a skating ring video.
3: <laughs> I, I honestly did not know that video uh, existed. My, my Forgive me, Chris. I did not see the video. But if I had and hardly anybody, hardly anybody
2: did see it. MTV wouldn't play it.
3: <laughs> that was going to be difficult probably why i didn't see it but if i had seen it i would have no problem ripping you guys off chris no problem no problem <laughs> at all man but you know yeah because i think getting back to that we were inspired by the bad news bears if you see the guy playing pinball in the every morning video that guy's supposed to be kelly Leak. that's why i rolled up in the motorcycle you know he's playing, oh, yeah, trying yeah. to be one of those valley bad news bears baseball guys and i uh, christy you and i were talking earlier out here growing up in southern california every other block had a skating rink like that so it was in our dna and i'm sure it was in yours too chris so it's like i think we were just kind of pulling on things that meant a lot to us uh from that era and there was a lot of things like back then you would rip off stickers like we would put uh, Sugar Ray and a Burger King sticker or something. There was a lot, you know what I mean? Sure. A lot of thievery going on, so I would have no problem admitting that. And I would have been proud to have <laughs> steal, stolen an idea from Less Than Jake. would have made the video a lot cooler, <laughs> believe me, but not to my well, knowledge. No, I, and I,
2: I I know my listeners would have asked, so I had to get that out of the way. If I didn't ask you that, somebody would have hammered me for that. So um, I, I want to jump in well, now. Chris, Chris, to, let me, let me to just this.
3: qualify. Let me qualify. I can't tell yes, you that. Sure. I, you know, I me, McKee and I uh, the, who directed the video came up with the idea for the storyboards for that. So I don't, he, he was doing a lot of videos back then. I can't say he didn't see your video. I can't, and I, I will ask, him, I will ask him. We can follow up with that. He might. He's the king. He's the king of If you theory. get a chance, check
2: it. Check out our video for dope, man. Mark, you'll get a kick out of it I because definitely there, there definitely, there definitely is some similarities. Um, and 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 thanks for thanks for being that uh, transparent and honest. I appreciate it. Um, this this track is three minutes and forty seconds long. I I I, I mean this with every fiber of my being. One of the coolest arrangements I actually for the first time Mark I think this is probably the 40th episode I've Recorded I had to call my producer uh, Earlier today and I had to say To Chris look can you go through this song with me I really don't know what the chorus I don't know what To call this part it's a very Strange it's one of the most unique Arrangements I've ever seen in a song Uh, We got an 18 second intro With that guitar lick that you're talking About that's just ear candy It's just ear candy 18 second intro and then we're we're in the in the chorus yep. it starts off with the chorus don't, every bore, morning, us. There's don't a halo. bore
3: us get to the chorus chris you know that. yeah the, the, yeah, <laughs> the old
2: the old clive davis um, every morning there's a halo hanging from the corner of my girlfriend's four post bed i know it's not mine but i'll see if i can use it for the weekend or a one night stand and uh damn i mean that's just catchy as hell uh, it just right out of the gate starts with the chorus it did did the song always start with the chorus did, from your um, recollection
3: oh always did even though originally it was brought to me as like this is the verse of the song I go you guys are <laughs> yeah. out of out of your mind that's like falling up you know smells like teen spirit with a, like a after the uh, what the lights on like a, that's the verse <laughs> man like are you out of your mind it was such an <laughs> obvious chorus to me but when you yeah. have something that strong you're like oh my god we've got to get out of the way of this thing it's such a massive gigantic piece of music you don't want to like start getting you know we've ruined a lot of great songs judy was boring hello then judy discovered jumbacasino.com
2: it's my little escape
3: now judy's the life of the party
2: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
3: whoa take it easy judy The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By starting to muddy the waters and then you start making the special thing not special. So I thought we just got to keep the verses low and, you know, we'll jump up a little bit, but don't steal notes that are in that verse. Make sure there's a big release going into it. And David Kahn was so instrumental in arranging that as well and helping us arrange it. You know, there's kind of the, you know, after the first chorus, there's a verse, which I call with like a post verse. Now you don't hear uh, You don't, okay. you don't hear that first <laughs> verse, you know, uh, couldn't understand how to work it out. You hear that once. That is once you said we never say that again.
2: That melody is. That's never the only again. time it ever happens. Only time. Right. That that is what that's what's genius, and it's funny when I first heard that I was like, you know, upon I've heard this song a ton, but it's been a while since I listened to it. And when I was was studying for the episode, I'm listening to it going, damn, does that happen again? And it never does. And and so the island, I call it the islandy guitar part comes in here too, which I love that 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 guitar riff.
3: Couldn't understand.
2: And I called this a one-time-only post-post chorus or setup, you know, setup for what I'm calling the verse. And 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 um, Mark started to say the lyrics here. Couldn't understand how to work it out. Once again, as predicted, left my broken heart open, and you ripped it out. Did, was this a collective? A lyrical thing or, or, or did you actually write the lyrics to this
3: all all of uh, all of the the hit songs from Sugar Ray have a lyrical collective like stan our guitar our drummer wrote all of the lyrics and the melody to every morning there's a halo and like we didn't tell each other what we were talking about so i wrote the you know couldn't understand how to work it I'm, I'm a feel guy It just felt like that was supposed to be whatever the fuck he was talking about in that course. And people try to ask me like, Hey dude, is that song about pegging? Is that so- Is that supposed to be a rubber? <laughs> the halo? Like I get asked the dumbest questions about this song. And people just tell me it's about, someone once hit me up on Twitter and goes, Hey dude, is this song about pegging? Someone told me it was. I go, I go, well, obviously about eight years ago. So now it's like, I'm the one that's verified that it is about pegging. So it's just, it's so stupid and crazy what goes on in this
2: world. But what if you ha- don't know what pegging is, Google it.
3: Yeah, really have fun with that, and you'll never, you never look at it, you never hear the song the same way. <laughs>
2: it's not about a pirate's leg.
3: You got it, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, it could be if it went a certain place, but we don't need to yeah. deal about that. But uh, but uh,
2: wh- how did how did this part only happen once though? How did it
3: never come back? We tried to make it come back, and it dragged the song. Now, when I when I say drag the song, it, it it started pumping the brakes on it. You know, when you've got a perfectly written song, it just goes like this, and you're never thinking of the parts, and it just goes. And David Collins yeah. and Chmelis, we have we had. I wrote a second part that you know, another one. You know, you know, after all this time, I've never even told anybody that. Yeah, that was the, that was the second verse. After all this time, da, da, I can't remember the other part, but it was after all this time, and I remember no kidding, and I remember looking at David Collins and go, doesn't fit. And he goes, well, Why are you thinking what I'm thinking? I go, Pow. I go, let's get straight to something's got real and me reeling. Stop. Let's get <laughs> right to that. And he goes, It's a little weird. I go, There's no rules in songwriting. Does it feel right? And the second we remove that, boom. It had the groove again, it just kept moving. And when, it, when you're not thinking about the parts, you like Chris, sometimes people ask me, I, I don't know the part, like I don't have the words for it either. And someday's very our other song Someday, which was a big hit off 1459, has a similar yeah. thing. I don't know what the verse is, the chorus, the B part, you know. So it's very interesting. But David Kahn, it I cannot, is. I cannot, I cannot articulate his importance in the arrangement and the sound and the songwriting. He wrote the bridge part every morning.
2: Uh, on guitar yeah well and that's i i love when artists are open about the producer's role so many artists try to minimize what the producer and when you got a good producer and you know what david Kahn brought to the table and it's so cool and humbling of you to be able to to acknowledge and recognize that i'm what i'm calling the the, the first verse here mark uh is the something's got me reeling stop me from believing turn me around again said that we can do it you know i want to do it again and then it stops. And right. the intro guitar, like, down, 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 comes and David in. David Kahn, the dropout, cop.
3: Yeah, it's just so amazing. You
0: can do it. You know I want to do it again.
2: Sugar-easy. Only time in the song it says Sugar Ray Say. Was that DJ Homicide that said that? Yeah,
3: but he goes, Sugar easy sugar <laughs> because what we okay. did he would all you know his nickname was crazy and didn't call me measy and that, you know there was just some stupid dialogue that goes along bands you know they go yeah. what's up measy what's up crazy and like it was just some stupid stuff we said so he's, he added sugar easy there
2: so well, that's how it's written online and Google. I thought that was a typo.
3: No, it says sugar. ace say on all the lyrics and no one ever said that. It's probably someone at Atlantic records trying to like des- <laughs> articulate and decipher the records later, but it's supposed to be sugar easy. <laughs> and then it goes into the yeah. malo part The uh, uh, uh. now, yeah. Chris, now, Chris, I, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of you, but now we're at the malo part, right?
2: Well, the- right, it, and 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 this is the the malo, which is the uh, suavecito, is and it's the ah uh, uh, part that's Mark Mark's referencing. I called this three different things here, Mark. I called this the interlude, the refrain, or or pre-chorus number one. <laughs> yeah, <I've, laughs> it's such a weird part before the chorus comes in. This is so crazy. I've called it the post-chorus before. You know what I mean? I just
3: don't. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of cool that like. We, there were no rules to our songwriting as long as it just flowed, you know, and I think that was so great when you're working with like three real big entities as the songwriters from the bands and look, we weren't communicating someone would a part and I wouldn't ask what they were talking about. We would just keep writing. And so, you know, there was no, no Gallagher in our band. There was no Johnny Resnick that wrote all the things. So we were also coming to our own as songwriters and starting to trust each other more. He's the gig hook guy. He's the big horse guy. I'm the arranger guy. Roddy's got all the guitar licks. David Kahn. And we had a, We had such a beautiful team there for a while that, of course, we had to fuck over later, but that's for another podcast. But, you know, <laughs> well, what happened was when money... Was, involved, was this...
2: I meant to ask this earlier. Do not want to forget this. Was this record, because this is right on the cusp, was this recorded analog or Pro Tools?
3: Oh, you know, David, David Kahn was one of the pioneers of using Pro Tools. In fact, Pro Tools would give them prototype things to use. And in fact, a story I've told a few times, Chris, and I'll make it as quick as I can. When I went in to do Fly, David goes, Mark, and I'm I'm literally in the vocal booth, got the band, everybody in there, knowing the song was the only chance we had. Fly was the only chance... They have a hit song off floor, you know, and I'm I'm nervous out there about to sing this song and I'm saying it, but you know, I've had an on off relationship with key my whole life. So I was a little curious about how it was going to work out. And David Kahn comes over the booth. He's brutally honest, a emotional and just was Mark. I've got some good news and some bad news for you. And being the Irishman that I am, I go, give me the bad (laughs) news first, David. He goes, he goes, you can't sing. And I go, well, thanks for building me up producer. You know, thanks for that part. What could possibly be the good news? Well, since we started this record, I've been working with this thing called pro tools where I think I can give you your voice where it wants to be. You know, you're kind of screaming over here. You're rap rocking, you're falsettoing. You, you, you can't really sing, but you got a tone like in Dylan, like an Anthony Kiedis. You've got a tone. Let me find it for you. So we started doing fly. Stop. Boop, 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 all around the world, statue stop And so he Frankenstein that vocal for me, and figured out where where my voice was. So Pro Tools had a huge part of me finding my voice, thus finding my songwriting style.
2: I am so stoked you brought that up, uh, Howard Benson. I'm sure you know Howard, the pr- producer Howard Legend. Benson. Legend. Howard Howard did a bunch of Less Than Jake records, mm. and he did an uh, 1998 did a record it was his Great first thing. pro tools record we were kind of his guinea pigs yep. and that record ta- that record taught me how to sing i told Howard that in the episode i did with him i'm that ta- and i'm i'm glad you i've never talked to another singer that, that 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 uh has that point of reference that like after i heard my vocal recorded properly it kind of gave me my voice as, as a vocalist. Isn't, That's it, cool. isn't
3: that a gift, Chris? And it's funny that like, a oh, l- a lot unreal. of unreal. A lot of singers maybe are, are very precious about it or whatever. To me, he gave me a gift. He gave me a
2: career. Oh, God. Yeah. You
3: know, and yeah. like, cause you know, like I said, we got signed and I don't know, I was singing, screaming, rap, rocking. And then David goes, here's where your voice wants to be. And like, as a singer, Knowing what you can't do is just as important as knowing what you can do. So that was a oh I, yeah. I, that was one of the greatest gifts I've. Ever. I, I got to go back and listen to the Howard episode because Howard made one of my favorite records, the Bang Tango Psycho Cafe record. So oh, absolutely yeah, of all time, Less so. than Jake,
2: less than Jake Tour with Bang Tango in the early two thousands. We'll save that for another oh, episode. Oh man, come on, that's
3: <laughs> I got music.
2: I got some Joe Lestay Stay stories for oh, days. <laughs> you're oh,
3: You've got to tell me all of them. I
2: want to to them all. Um, she, oh, I want to get in. I want to get into this interlude, and yeah. I love, I love something in here that is really cool. Um, and 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 the, the the lyric is Ah, every morning, every morning when I wake up, and then there's the backing vocal of "Shut the door, baby, don't say a word," and then it's kind of like almost a backing vocal that you're singing here, Markets. She always writes the wrongs. She always writes, she always writes, and then it comes back with shut the door, baby, shut the door, baby. That she always writes the wrong. That's foreshadowing the bridge that there comes later. Go. And it's the own it's the only time that it happens. It doesn't happen happen on the second interlude. And you would swear it again, does.
3: And you would swear it does, uh, you know? Isn't
2: that I, great? I had to rewind it. I had to rewind it twice. I'm like, wait a second, did I confuse it? Is it the second time too? And it's not. Don't say a word. And again, it's all the little ear candy. And this is such a weird song. There is a formula to hit songs. They have broke this down before you look at Nickel back to Britney Spears, all these songs. And there's like a formula. Oh, this part happens. This part happens again. There's no rhyme or reason to this damn track, man. This thing is all over the place. But like you said, it feels right.
3: You know, what's weird, Chris, is, is David is such a cerebral David Kahn, the producer, is such a cerebral scientist. Though it made no sense to me, made no sense to anybody else, it made perfect mathematical sense to David Kahn. You know, yeah. he, he was the one who decided to pull that, she always writes, she always writes, let's tease the bridge. So it sounds familiar before we get there. And I'm like, that's fucking genius. And David- It, it is. Dude, I would sit there, David, I never saw David Kahn. We, I made three records with David Kahn. I never saw him use the bathroom once. And I'm saying, guys, never once, and you never saw him get up to go. On. He was ne- never left first, never was the last to arrive. So he would be sitting there sometimes on the couch at three in the morning and hearing, like, beep, 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 beep. and I thought the man was losing his mind because he's crazy too, and the best of it, like a genius, in a genius way. So there's no way in hell our band could have come up with that part there. But this is getting back to the genius of David Kahn, and again, the, the success of David Kahn, it, 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 the, the success of Sugar Ray is completely reliant on David Kahn being there and shepherding us through this thing because we needed a taskmaster producer. We needed a guy to tell us, look, you're not playing any drums on this. Sorry, you're not not wasting my time. Uh, you're playing bass because you got this great feel. So, like, he'd make people cry. People go home, grown ass men going home crying with David Kahn. And there's David Kahn yeah. stories from Fishbone and the 'll oh, tell yeah. you. Fish fish got in a fist fight with David Kahn. And David Kahn designed the logo for Fishbone. I mean, David Kahn is a legend.
2: Fantastic. but i think you can agree some sometimes the producer is the difference between you going on to the career you had mark and and no disrespect but to you you going back and working at a shoe store or something i mean you know i mean that's that's really the difference here and that's not a knock against you or whatever whatever job you were going to go do it's it's you know they he gave you uh as you said a voice and kind of gave you guys a sound he was in, integral to, to, to all of this it's the absolute um,
3: truth chris and, and i can never deny that and I think we're a band that had relied heavier on a producer than most bands. And we're always wanted to give David a ton of credit. And my favorite thing about David Kahn after our success, I think a lot of people went, well, Sugar Ray can do it. They can barely play. Anybody can do it. <laughs> and then there'd be bands like the strokes or bands that go after and search out David Kahn for his services. And they go, well, we kind of, and, and David is such a contrarian, you know, you got to, you got to know how to play him, you know? And then, you know, they they'd get through half through the record and they're like, well, we want to sound like Sugar Ray. And he goes, I've already done sugar ray and they you can see him just deflate. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> so yeah, David to his credit, I mean he, he stayed true. We stayed true to him, and he stayed true to us to his credit.
2: That's great. We get here to the shut the door, baby lyric, and then boom again. Down, 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 down. Chris, time Chris,
3: Chris. I, I want I want his out. We didn't get through the malo part yet, which is very important. Oh yes, about the malo part. Now, like I said earlier, we had placed that malo part there. The ah. Now ours is a different key, and we tweaked it a little bit. But I know I'm sounding like Vanilla Ice and, and, the, and Ice Ice Baby and Under Pressure. You see, there's like <laughs> bum-ba-da-bum-ba-da-bum-ba. And ours went like bum ba da bum ba da So the similarities were too, were, too, were, 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 too, were too perfect. So what we did, we didn't sample Malo. That's us singing it. But we went out to oh, Malo yeah. and said, you know what, guys? We tried to re-record this part. We tried to re-record it 100 times. And, you know, we had demo-itis. It never got better than this. You know, we have to give these guys a piece of the song. They deserve it. They are making the song happen. So we reached out to Malo. They go, we love the song with open arms. And it's been like a fun Malo, uh, you know, uh, symbiosis ever since then. So we, we owe them a huge gra- a debt of gratitude for letting us use this wonderful part. Now, we didn't sample it. It it was not sampled. A lot of people were trouble lies when you sample it, but we absolutely did our due diligence. And if you look on the songwriting, they're credited as songwriters on every morning.
2: Well, that's great because it's such an important part of this song. It's another part. There's so many different elements of ear candy here from that Latin Islandy guitar vibe to the intro guitar, all the little things, the vocal effects. We get into chorus two after the intro guitar lick uh, hook comes back in and uh, chorus two is different lyrics from chorus one and chorus three. The only line that's the same is line two from the corner of my girlfriend's four-post bed. So chorus two is every morning there's a heartache hanging from the corner of my girlfriend's four-post bed. I know it's not mine, I know, and I know she thinks she loves me, but I can never believe what she said. Do you remember why that particular chorus was changed? Yeah, I do, and I, I
3: kind of argued against it because I thought the first chorus was so strong. And I'm like, we don't really need to change it, man. It's, it's, I think it's, there's such great imagery in there and, and, it, and it's so universal and that there's kind of controversial things. Are you talking about cheating? What are you talking about? You know, it's so many weird things. And yes, it's about infidelity, but it's also about uh, it being a deterrent because when, uh, I understand that our, our drummer's old girlfriend had like a, a wreath hanging from the corner of her four post bed. And, you know, girlies <laughs> had these frilly b- things like that. And it really was a symbol of him, of her being such an angel. And it kind of discouraged him from like, you know, it, it was a reminder of him being on the road, you know, to, to stay faithful. So it's kind of a beautiful sentiment, written like in a dark tone, very much like some of those suicide hits of the '70s, like Gilbert O'Sullivan's "Alone Again, Naturally." Stood him up, no point in us we
0: may as well go home. As I did on my own, alone again, naturally.
3: I mean, that song sounds yeah. like a—it sounds like a like a child's, you know. Nursery rhyme, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's about people killing themselves and dying, you know, so I (laughs) I thought it was such a beautiful dark lyric, but with this like sort of rolling melody, so I was really against changing it, but David Kahn again goes, it's a hit song if you don't change it. It's a classic song. If we change it, and that was—he's always mantra. I go, all right, say no more, you asshole. Let's get well,
2: into it. Well, yeah, and no, and it's weird because it's not like you changed a word or something. Like the whole thing's different, except for line two, which but you it feels typically similar. Do this, but it feels similar. Oh, you know it, what I mean? It, it, no, it 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 does. It doesn't change it enough to where it, it's so different that it's weird. But again, usually the chorus is is pretty much the same. You want to hit him over the head, and this is different, and that's that's really interesting. Um, we get into verse two which verse two comes a long way. You're a long way into the song when verse two hits. Something so deceiving, when you stop believing, turn me around again, said we couldn't do it. You know I want to do it again. And then the guitar intro lick okay. comes and you hear it again. Now we get into the pre-chorus to interlude number two, refrain number two, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I'll call it all three. Right part. off the <laughs> right, Yeah, yeah. Slavacito part. Right off the top of this part, Mark, that loud B3 organ comes in
3: yes
1: morning don't say
2: That's killer. It only comes in right there. And it sounds like kind of like
3: yeah. a carnival barker. And if you watch the video, yeah. when you watch the video, you know, when back in the day during ice skating, uh, they'd have the old uh, Hammond organs playing at old ice skating rinks. And it reminded sure. me of that. And the video was perfectly synced to that. You know, that, that Hammond carnival organ. Again, David Kahn all over it. Going, we need something new. We need to add, a, 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 we need to enter into
2: new texture here, but keep it similar. Feel like you heard it before, but you haven't. I had to rewind the song, go back to the first interlude. And I'm like, I'm thinking, was the organ there buried? I'm like, It's not even there the first time at all. And then when you do hear it the second time, it's like the loudest damn thing you almost hear there, but it works perfectly. It's so
3: great. David, again, that's David. So like there was a science to what he's doing, Chris. For our songwriting, there was no science, but he would break down the science. You can't do that because we're not scientific in our songwriting. We're feel guys, right? Can't do that. Can do that. Listen, if we're going to go into this bridge, we need to slowly build. So Dave is all about building, building, release, building, building, release. And that's what, that's what happens when you go into the, uh, this, this, which we can call the bridge after this, uh, Suavecito part B.
2: Absolutely. And I, and I, I had my notes written here that I brought up a moment ago, uh, the, she always writes the wrong part that happens the first time doesn't happen here. Until you get to the bridge, and this bridge is so cool because it ch- totally changes the feel of the song. Except for the drum loop, yeah, the drums are still drums are still doing its thing, but all of a sudden you got this chug of g- guitar. The acoustic guitars drop out, yeah, and it's this own it's this own thing for like eight seconds.
3: He always writes that.
2: even kind of changes there it's like a little sing song like you know she always writes the wrong for me baby she always writes the wrong for me very short but poignant and then it launches into that third chorus which goes on for for a pretty long time do you remember that bridge you said david Kahn kind of brought that to the table and and it it's short for a bridge but it works
3: i, I remember it very very well um David came up with the guitar parts for that. You know, the, the change where I, I, I believe it goes to it goes to D, E, A, F sharp, then D back to E. So he came up with this part, and it was his part. It came out of nowhere. Nobody could figure out a melody or what to place in there. Now, I was out partying, doing my thing, and I would think I came. I was up all night at a house or something, and, and I was kind of late to the studio as I might have wanted to be back then. Uh, they were there at two <laughs> o'clock. I was driving to the studio, and I go. She always writes the wrong for me, baby. She always writes the wrong for me, and and I go. It feels good, but there's not enough lyrical content there. Not for what we just. They're they're not gonna like it because maybe they might like the first part, but we're gonna have to finish. So we were at Swing House, the rehearsal space, Swing House, out here in Los yeah. Angeles. You know, we would be doing pre-production as we were recording the record. David wasn't a guy that needed to go into a studio then because he was so far ahead in technology. So even though he was fooling us that we were doing pre-production writing, he was making the record. So I go. Give he me. was
2: already knew. He's, yeah,
3: he's already doing it. He already had the sounds. We didn't set up. Any yeah, drums. we didn't set up any drums. Our drummer played live only on the middle
2: of "Fly," and that was it. He didn't play drums on, on, on any of the Whoa. hits. Um, Real quick, I, I gotta I gotta ask. So now, now in my head, because I'm listening to the song "Linear," um, the she always writes the wrong part in the first interlude. That that kind of uh, call and response thing you're doing there, which almost sounds like a backing vocal. Was that an afterthought? Was yes. the bridge written and then ah, oh, so you decided to put it there first. afterwards? Yeah, we have cool. We,
3: we, wait, we That's awesome. Yeah, no, we waited to add the counterpoint. Well, David waited to add the counterpoints. You know, I gotcha. I, oh, I, at the ending, I'll tell you about me, but but so I went in there with a sure fifty-eight mic at Swing House, sitting by David's board, and and I just, and I go, I got an idea for the bridge everybody's like, Oh, great. Here's one of Mark's ideas again. And, and, and I just go, <laughs> she always acts something wrong for me, baby. She always got something wrong for me or something like that. You know, and he goes, why did you, why, why did you talk at the end of that? I go, why? He goes, that's it. He was, let me see if I can clip it. So what you hear right there is exactly my one and only take at the bridge. It was my rough idea. I was showing the guys what I felt the idea was because I didn't care. And it was so loose. That of course, yeah. David, David loved the vocal. He goes, "That's it. You're not touched." I go, "What about the lyrics?" He goes, "They're perfect." You know, and 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 that that's was it. Aw-
2: that's that is oh, dude, that is so that lightning in a bottle stuff, man. You can't. It's so hard to explain to someone that's never been in, in the studio or in that situation when it happens. It's just like you don't know where it came from. That is such a. That's a. I'm and, really and glad and you, Chris, you shared so that with us.
3: Serendipitous and lucky and. You know, it, it, it's almost beyond you, especially if you're right with other people. You know, there, there's just a the magic happening there, and it's rare. And when it does, and you feel it, man, it's great. Oh. I, I think I think at that time, we went across the street to Chandara, and I'm starting to get cocky now. I'm like, I think we, got, I think we're sitting on some shit here, and that's when I said, let's call the record 1459, and all the guys in the band were against that immediately. There we go. No, you're <laughs> trivializing it. Blah blah blah. I go, you guys, if the record fails. It's the greatest title in the world. If the record succeeds, <laughs> it's the greatest it's the title greatest. in the world. So <laughs> I had the band the, the was not into it. We went back and told David Kahn. And he goes, he has glasses on. He was pushing back. He goes, that's the greatest title I've ever heard. And then he just that was it. After that, it was fourteen fifty nine. So on that Once day, he gave that a stamp for approval. Bridge, we got the we got the uh, we got the uh, title of the record too. That was a good day.
2: Which, by the way, Chandara amazing Thai food is it still there? Because I've eaten the Chandara. It's not
3: there anymore, unfortunately, bro. Not we're, not we're, not on uh, not on Kowenge anymore. There might still be one. Okay,
2: there. well, where where was Swing House? Because we recorded right, Grand Master
3: right across the street from Chandara, and you wouldn't even know it was there. If Swinghouse has since changed. It's gone through like multiple okay. variations. It's gotten bigger and bigger. Um, okay. but it, it was right. Master
2: studio was, was right next to the Jack in the box. Yeah,
3: It was right behind the Jack in the box. They were, they were, it was ah. right. You know, those nondescript buildings are right there. Yeah, Sweet House yeah. was okay. right there. I'm surprised you didn't. I mean, it was right across the street from Chandara. That's why I went
2: there. That's a, that, that's amazing. Um, we're going to wrap up here with the, with the third chorus, which there's a lot going on here too, man. It's like, here we are. And, and the first part of this is the same as, as chorus one. Every morning, there's a halo hanging from the corner of my girlfriend's four post bed. I know it's not mine, but I'll see if I can use it for the weekend or a one night stand. And right there, uh, the, the shut the door, baby, don't say a word right after that happens the whistling comes
1: in. Shut the door, baby. Shut the door,
2: baby. Every and here's another ear candy that never happens in the song again. Um, can you whistle? Was that you? Wasn't me. <laughs>
3: it was David Kahn. David Kahn no did kid. the whistling. And, you know, at the end, I go, you guys, I don't want to fade out with the chorus. And they're like, what are you talking about? I go, I just, it's so strong, I wanna leave it special and I don't wanna leave your ears like kind of fading out. And then I go, I wanna just take a part of it and fade out. Every morning, every morning when I wake up, every morning, and they go, great. And then we're like, there's something missing there. And David goes, I can whistle. I go, I don't know if it's a whistle. And he goes, last time I whistled was on Walk Like an Egyptian and it went to number one. We go get your ass out in there and whistle something, dude. (laughs) So David Conn has whistled on two songs and they both went to number one. Walk like an Egyptian, the Bengals, and every morning. That's David whistling. Rodney does it live now. Rodney, your guitar player, does a great job imitating it live, but David put the whistle in there. And we love counterpoints at the end of outros, Chris. You'll hear that in a lot yeah. of songs, you know, where we kind of, we, we, we reintroduce parts of the song and just kind of play amongst each other, maybe added another little part like every morning. And that's, uh, yeah. that's kind of what happened.
2: Well, and then and then we we get a little uh, uh, to borrow your lyric here. It, it's kind of a turnaround here at the end. There's a couple new new lyrical themes that come in. Uh, every morning, turn me around again. Every morning, shut the door, baby. Don't say a word. Every morning, all you say is do it again. Uh, every morning when I wake up. Every morning, shut the door, baby. Shut the door, baby. And it kind of just right. kind of just goes from there. And- David
3: had a lot to do with those. those you know, shut door, babies, and, and like returning those, like he sample some of the parts and he also yeah. he also flip the beat at the end i don't know if you hear it, the I, timing clip right. mm-hmm. then it goes every moan and like just the little things like that that Those keep you skips. Interested. that if you're not even in layman if you if you're if you're just listening with layman's ear you don't even notice it but it keeps you interested you don't know why yeah. don't say well. But if you're a musician, you're like, whoa, they just three, four time that thing, you know, know. and that's all David Kahn, all David Kahn.
2: And again, it's those genius of the producer. I wish. I mean, I can, I can write a decent song, but man, the little things that we're talking about, Mark, it's the difference between a song that's at 95% and a hundred percent. It's that 5% difference that uh, people like David Kahn, that you cannot, uh, give the, the importance to that. You, it's just, uh, it's all the difference the in the world.
3: It's all the difference in the world. And Chris, you know what I say? We can all write good songs. You know, we can I'm like, I don't mean to brag, but we've been doing it in a while. We can write good songs, but that's the difference between a great song. And then there's a difference between a hit song. And then there's a difference between that classic song.
2: You know, there's levels yeah.
3: to this shit of songwriting and production. You know, yeah.
2: So you you know you 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 know the enormous success you came off off a of fly. When you first heard this mix come back, were you were you like, I, I think we got another one? I said, this,
3: this is the best we can do. This is the best we can do. It feels right. It feels like people wanted more fly-ish sounding songs at that time. We hadn't, you know, we hadn't run out our our, our run if you will you, know, you got about four or yeah. five year run if you're lucky of your style so it was a perfect perfect storm of people wanted to hear another song like fly from us i think we delivered another one and it just Absolutely. felt good and like chris when we listen back to it you know normally i don't like listening to our songs Who those songs i kept listening to while we're driving and i'm playing it for my girlfriend who who is my now wife who i wrote she always writes wrong about she's like this is good. And she was first to say, this sucks, this sucks. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. but I appreciate it. It was a real sort of, somebody yeah. to really bounce off the reality of it. And she, she was, she was right. You know, uh, we felt yeah. really good about it. And then when the label heard it, they lost their fucking minds, and every morning was one of the first songs to be done for fourteen fifty nine. So it was a real like, okay, now let's go write the record. You know, kind of took the pressure yeah. off. The, and like we stumbled upon someday and falls apart was a, was a top forty hit and number one song at alternative. So we got lucky, Chris. You know, and we were we were at our writers' peak. And, and, and we were at the, uh, the top of our game as songwriters right then but then of course money came in after that and people would go oh, I'm getting ripped off I want more for this more for that and of course we became that cliché behind the music band a couple years later but not at this point we're at the top of our game
2: that happens but man I Mark I just I want to thank you for uh, for going through this song with me this is uh, I love the song and it, it really is uh, a little pop masterpiece and you guys deserve every bit of success that you've ever had and cont- continue to have um, I want to leave the Listeners, right now, with uh, anything that you'd like to plug uh, uh, solo. I know you did a, a solo record in 2015. Any solo projects coming up, or anything uh, Sugar Ray you like to talk about?
3: You know, we did a record. If you're a fan of the band Sugar Ray, we, we did a record in 2019. It came out in BMG called Little Yachty, which was a fun record to make, and it's you know it's very Sugar Ray sounding. I mean, I, I kind of uh, named us like kind of a yacht rock band of the 90s, so I named it Little Yachty, <laughs> and you know, there's some of the fun songs that like you know, we, we wrote a record for fun. So take a listen, steal it, do whatever you want to do if you can. But I really don't have a lot to promote. Unfortunately, Chris, you know, there's not not a lot going on out here, but I want to say to you, dude, I really appreciate being on your podcast because You just love music, and the way you broke the song down, I'm so glad you picked Every Morning, because a lot of people, I've talked about Fly a lot, but Every Morning was the song that I knew we were going to be around for a while, and it means so much to me, this song. This song got me off that one-hit wonder, Desert Island, and it gave us a career. And uh, I'm so proud of that song and grateful and uh, appreciative of everybody's contributions. You know, it it took a village to build that song, and uh, I'm just very grateful for it.
2: Uh, it, was, it was fascinating to to uh, to break it down with you, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
3: You're welcome, my friend. Hope to see you soon, man.
1: The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station. It was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is
2: a rock and roll city
1: Stop for sure. Right? Get down!
3: Right? The Wrath of the buzzer WMMS.
0: Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America,
2: Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now, wherever you get podcasts. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to make a podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. Today's featured artist is The Way, Way Back from Kansas City, Missouri. The band is composed of Ben Wendt on vocals, Caleb Lumbery on guitar, Matt Jack on the drums, and Billy Bachelder on bass. Their official motto is music for people who used to skateboard. You can find their music on Bandcamp. Here's a snippet of their song, Peter Pan. Wrap with Chris and Chris.
0: So, man, that was a little bit longer of an episode than usual, but I feel like I could have listened to you and Mark McGrath talk to each other for another hour and a half because that was awesome.
2: Uh, what an absolute character! Um, I, I've always, always liked Mark. He, uh, <laughs> I feel like, again, uh, we, we kind of connected when I talked about him. Uh, talked to him about rock and roll Jeopardy. You know, we kind of uh, are kindred spirits in that respect.
0: Yeah, I still, I want to get him, you. and... And as he brought up Matt Pinfield to come on an episode and I want to be the game show host. I always dreamed when I was a kid, I (laughs) wanted to be a game show host. And if I got to be a game show host between the lead singer of less than Jake, uh, people's sexiest man uh, sexiest rock guy from 1998 and the host of 120 minutes <laughs> that would be that would be my dream coming true so I
2: hope that we can make that happen well man. which one of our listeners would want to see Chris uh, host uh, a little rock and roll jeopardy here on Chris to makes a podcast let us know at the Facebook group uh, if you'd like to see that'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll make it happen
0: i'm not kidding that that's what i wanted to be when i was a kid was a game show host i love game shows so i seriously that would be my dream this year like for my birthday or something i want to make that happen i feel like mark would do it i feel like we both kind of have had interactions with Matt pinfield if we can make that happen man that would be a dream um
2: (laughs) be careful what you wish for chris
0: yeah (laughs) Uh, i wanted to talk real quick one thing i thought was really awesome like one of the the, my favorite tidbits of this episode was when Mark talked about how David Kahn, who, by the way, before I, I get into my tidbit, I liked his resume is insane because I went and looked at it <laughs> and it is just just. A few people in this resume of producing and mixing and recording, Uh, the B-52s, Tony Bennett, Wilco, Paul McCartney, Fishbone, Stevie Nicks, Matthew Sweet, 311, The Strokes, Regina Spector, Kelly Clarkson, and Taking Back Sunday, like just an insane resume, and that's just the tip of the iceberg there. That, That was so cool. I wasn't even that familiar with David Kahn, but my favorite tidbit was that David Kahn did the whistling at the end (laughs) of every morning, and he also did the whistling in Walk Like an Egyptian. Yeah. How insane
2: is that? Yeah, he had two, two number one singles with him whistling on it. Uh, you know, uh, I just love how, how much props Mark gave to, to David Kahn. It's so, again, refreshing to, to have a, uh, a world-renowned uh, rock, rock star like Mark talk about how integral a producer is uh, to, the, to, this, to this band. He even said it. He's like, he, he carved our sound. He, he taught me how to sing. Mark's, Mark was that humble to, to admit that, and that's very cool.
0: You know, I feel like people may have had an idea in their head of who Mark McGrath was and he seems to know that too. He seemed to make reference when he, to that when several he, times. Like
2: when he talked <laughs> About, I'm the douchebag guy with the frosted yeah. tips.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, dude, honestly, like he was and is a really good looking guy. <laughs> like, so you're going to have the haters out there. He's a guy who's the lead singer of a band with perfect pop songs. So he's going to be the target of so many people's aggression (laughs) you know so so, uh he embraces it he's he's humble about it and uh yeah he gives credit where credit's due like when he talked about the band malo you know they didn't try to like bite that Melody off and and steal it. They gave him credit and credited him as songwriters. You know, I think that's awesome. Yeah, it, just so it, much respect. It's
2: very cool. And coming from where Mark comes from, again, I, I witnessed the machine at hand. Uh, he was getting pulled in every direction. They were the most popular band for for those fifteen minutes. The name of the record, you know, they they were they were that band in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, I think he's handled the fame incredibly well. Uh, it was one of the most down to earth uh, and fun conversations I've had so far here on Krista Makes a Podcast. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, and he's made a name for himself even more than Sugar Ray. Uh, Like, my mom knows who Mark McGrath is. (laughs) You know, like, Mark McGrath has been just all over the place. He brought up Rock and Roll Jeopardy and talked about all his various things, hosting shows, being in movies, being on, on TV shows, reality shows, whatever. He has made a name for himself beyond
2: Sugar Ray. So, it was awesome, dude. Real deal celeb, yeah, man. I, uh, I, I, like I said, I not not just saying this. It was one of my uh, my most favorite conversations on here. We just uh, he, he has the gift for gab, to put it mildly. Yeah, man, that Mark, he sure can bark. And speaking of barking, Chris, this month's fundraiser is Biggie's Bullies. They are a foster home-based rescue founded in 2011 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Their mission is to rescue and rehome pit bull-type dogs in Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas. If you'd like to know more, head over to com and please give to this month's fundraiser anything you can to help out this wonderful cause. Who on earth wouldn't want to help dogs? Some jerk out there? If you're a jerk
0: and you don't want to help dogs, (laughs) then don't go to com. But if you're a cool person who likes dogs like everybody should, hey, just go to com. Even if you can chip in a buck or two, hey, every little bit helps.
2: Yes, they are a wonderful organization and even more wonderful as people. So please head over there and help out if you can. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, you know, Chris, I was thinking... I I I said this a couple times now. I don't want to beat it to death, but I truly had no idea what it took to put together a radio show that we're calling this podcast. And you have taught me so much since you uh, suggested to me that I should start a podcast. I pretty much learned everything from you, and you are now offering a pretty killer service. So I've never really asked you how how did you get into this yourself? How did you learn? Would you, would you say that I'm a god of pod? I would. I would say that you're a god of pod. In, in my opinion, uh, yes.
0: It's funny. When I, I first heard of podcasts, it had to be like 2005 or 2006. I didn't really even know what it was, but it's basically just an internet radio show It's a that you can make yourself. So I first heard about podcasting sometime in 2005, 2006, and My band punchline was touring a lot, so I started my own podcast. I called it the Chris Fafalius White Van Podcast. And basically it was something to do. I think I just did it through the internal mic in my like Dell laptop in the van. Fancy. And I would just talk Yeah. (laughs) And I would just talk I would just talk to my bandmates in the van like as we were driving. And I think you you would like hear the noise of like tractor trailers going by like as we recorded. But It taught me a lot about how to podcast. Then over the years, I made other podcasts. I did one with my friend Mike called Men in Their 30s Only, which you can still go back and listen to all the old episodes of. And I think I just learned along the way what makes for a good and interesting and fun podcast and what makes for a really bad podcast. And I'm not talking shit, but there's a lot of bad podcasts out there. And I think that it's a matter of knowing what to cut. (laughs) <laughs> in podcasts you know we we cut a lot of fat off of these podcasts uh, and i think that it's a matter of knowing what people are going to like to listen to what's engaging and i think that just comes with experience and i like to think that i have gained a lot of that experience over the years
2: well i, I yeah and i can tell you one thing i listening to podcasts now i listen to them differently since we started this and i'll listen to some of them and be like you know what Th- this is two or three steps away from being a really great podcast if they just did this this and this and I, I really think that's where you and matt come in so uh you know please please tell the listeners where they can uh, uh find your services
0: yeah my friend matt kelly and i started a business called we know podcasting and you can hit us up at info at we know whether you're thinking about starting a new podcast we offer consultations we can help you get a logo get a theme song uh anything you need to know about the technical aspects. What mic should I buy? What interface should I buy? What program should I use? And most importantly, we offer editing services because editing does make the difference between good podcasts and bad podcasts. Absolutely. Matt and I can help you with all of that. You can hit us up at info at
2: weknowpodcasting.com. Dot com. That's right. Uh, Chris makes me sound way better than I really do. So if you think this podcast sounds good, hit up Chris and Matt. They will take care of everything you need. And once again, I always leave you with this. Please join the Chris makes a podcast Facebook group. We'd love to have you. We got a bunch of members, a bunch of people in there. It's very interactive. It's very fun. And thanks to this week's guest, Mr. Mark McGrath. You were awesome. And we will see you next week. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also.
0: You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information.
2: We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now
3: Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
3: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs)